Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Hey there, welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. My name is Elizabeth Pudwell and I am here with CJ. And today we have a special treat for um, you listeners. Um, We have a couple of guests a few weeks ago, um, had a couple of um, conversations with some of um, my support and my friends in program about STDs. And I reached out to the community and these two lovely women um, offered to join us and share their experience, strength and hope with um, STDs. And before I introduce them though, I would like to share with our audience, I do not have um, any long-term STDs. I did share with um, the, 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 the women that are here today that I had at one time I got, um, something that's very easy to get rid of um, from a sexual encounter, a brief one, a one time. And um, it was, you know, relatively simple to get rid of, although still, um, I still have shame about that. And I wanted to see if CJ had any experiences with STDs. Yes, I have HPV, the consequence of having HPV turned out for me to be eventually I had um, some precancerous cells in my uterus that had to be removed and um, luckily that was the end of it at that time. I don't understand a hundred percent about this virus, it's probably, I don't understand about viruses in general, but when I get my pap smears, sometimes I'm positive for it and sometimes I'm negative. So all I know is that, you know, it lies dormant. It doesn't ever go away. And now um, with my children, I have two boys and they've both been vaccinated for HPV. And I recall that that was not an option when I was their age, when I was a teenager. And in fact, when I found out that I had it, it was in the late 90s and I was born in the mid 70s. And um, I don't ever remember knowing anything about it until it came up on my pap smear and then when I looked into information, I think I read in a magazine, probably like Cosmopolitan or somewhere like that, where I got educated on it. And it said some very high number of the population, a very high percentage of people had it. Um, and you ha- you may have it and never know it. And um, yeah, I think it is relatively new as far because I'm a little bit older than um, all of you. Well, I'm a, quite a bit older than all of you. I'm 62. And um, I should also share too that um, CJ and I both have children. And I don't believe either of our guests are. But before we go much further, let's um, introduce them. 
I've asked Wendy and Althea to, um, to join us and share their experience, strength, and hope around STDs and um, being sober and, and dating. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. So we'll start with Wendy. Why don't you, would you share, you can share whatever you want around what you have, how you got it, and how long you've had it. Sure. Um, my name is Wendy. I'm a sex and love addict. And I contracted um, the herpes simplex 2 virus, which is genital herpes, um, about 20 years ago. Um, I was uh, acting out in my sex and love addiction and having an affair with my neighbor. Um, he didn't know he had it. Um, I didn't know that that was a thing. I was working on, I'm a nurse, and I was working on all of my prerequisites for nursing school, and it was actually in microbiology studying STDs, and I felt like an idiot. I, I really, really shamed myself and beat myself up because I felt like I should know better. Um, and being a student at the time, I um, immediately went into research mode and, and found that like 80% of the population has uh, type 2 or, or HSV2 herpes simplex virus 2, which is genital herpes. But about 50% of those people don't know that they care, which is really sad. Um, the same would you, thing goes. Would you mind explaining to us what that means, like asymptomatic and being sure. symptomatic? Sure. So asymptomatic um, means that you don't have any symptoms. Um, so therefore, you don't usually know you, you don't know you have it unless you give it to somebody, which that's what my partner did. He gave it to me. I reacted. I had symptoms. And when I talked to him about it, he was like, I don't have that. I'm thinking now I'm thinking he's a liar because I didn't have all the information. Um, but then come to find out that they're, like I said, 50% of, if 80% 80 of the population has it, and 50% of them don't even know they have it, um, it's, it's really How rampant. How did you get him to test? How did you convince him? I didn't. I didn't. There's no, there really is no good test. And, and that's another very sad story about STDs, especially when it comes to screening men. Um, there are really no, there's, there's really no way to screen a man for HPV. Um, unless he actually has genital warts that are visible. Um, women get screened by pap smears. Um, and when it comes to herpes, um, basically the symptoms are, are your gold standard. There's a blood test, um, but any doctor will tell you um, that it's not necessarily, um, it's not very valid. Um, so really it's, it's having symptoms or not. So it's very sad. There, there's not... And even condoms really don't protect you very well from STDs, especially women. Um, for men, it's much harder for them to get herpes. We have one great big mucous membrane. And so we are the receivers and we um, are much more susceptible um, to, to getting STDs. Wendy, I really appreciate your medical knowledge. Me topic. too. <laughs> I did not know that you uh, are a nurse or were a nurse, have all this training. And I just love it because it normalizes, you know, having this um, topic. It's about normalizing the conversation and um, just having the facts. Having the facts are so helpful. 
And well, also really too, I think it's really important, like for me to understand how common it is, how many people do have it. It's not, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar to the current, you know, thing we've got going on COVID and the way that it's spread instead of, you know, by our mouse, it's spread by sexual contact and it's very, very common. And it isn't a moral disease, you know? So I, that's the part that I really want to convey to our listeners. So thank you so much, Wendy. And Althea, share with us what you have and how long you've had it and how you think you got it. Uh, well, so far, um, I don't have an ongoing one. Um, but uh, during my acting out in my addiction in the past couple of years, I was writing this in my step work um, a couple weeks ago. So I got chlamydia from my uh, the person I was having sex with um, three different times in a row uh, because he, number one, had no symptoms himself and two, refused to believe that he had it and was spreading it. And three, was afraid to go to the doctor um, because of his situation in his life. Um, and then I, from the same person about a year later, I got gonorrhea three times, um, vaginally and one time, um, throat gonorrhea. We all know how we get those, um, from the same person. Again, he was asymptomatic and again, he didn't believe that, um, he gave it to me, but I only had one sexual partner. <laughs> so I was like, sorry, dude, but it was you. Um, but again, he feared going to the doctor, so he just kept giving it to me. And because of my addiction, I just kept getting it because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to sacrifice myself for this person and my life doesn't matter. And so, you know, I can just get more treatment and get over it again. Um, and, uh, you know, interestingly enough, like right now, um, it's very ironic <laughs> Um, but I don't believe in coincidence. Um, I'm having a lot of reproductive problems um, this exact day, this month. Um, I've been bleeding for 22 days straight um, and uh, just have been having a lot of uh, problems. And I, during my acting out years and the gonorrhea and the chlamydia, I developed um, three fibroids in my uterus and, um, and a polyp. And according to... Eastern, I don't know if you want to call it Eastern, alternative medicine, um, that kind of sexual acting out behavior with my addiction um, can possibly create, um, you know, these problems in my reproductive system just because of the nature um, of the negative energy. So I really kind of believe that. Um, and now I'm having a ton of issues with that. So yeah, it's, it's been, I've been reflecting a little more on that lately and it's, um, it sucks and it changed the way that I had a relationship with my uh, OBGYN doctor because, um, you know, it just caused a lot of uh, difficult conversations. And, and when I got gonorrhea, I think it was the third time, she actually got kind of mad at me and she's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And I got really upset and everything, but um, I, well, I talked with my sponsor and some other support sisters um, and went back to my doctor and made another appointment and said, look, you know, I'm, I know this seems ridiculous, but I'm actually a sex and love addict and I actually cannot stop my sexual relationship with this person. Um, I know this seems so stupid, but I just can't help myself. And I just started crying 
Um, and I said, I just really need your help right now with this medical problem and I don't know what to do. And she like, actually, you know, was just so lovely and gracious. And from then on, she and I have actually had an even better relationship because she just kind of understood where I was coming from. And so she has always just been so kind towards me and compassionate and she's never acted like judgmental, um, of me since then. And, and I still, so, so before we move on to, you know, what the, the effect that it has, I'd love to hear your feedback around that when the, you know, like with the doctor and anybody that's, you know, said something, there's a couple of words that have come up. Both of you guys have used them. I should, and shame and, um, acting out. And I wanted to know if you had anybody, you know, sort of shame you or, you know, kind of talk to you the way that Althea just shared. Mm -hmm. So fortunately for me, no, everybody was very kind to me up until about a month ago. So for 20 years, <laughs> um, doctors were very compassionate. I remember my OBGYN um, telling me, and he was a male, an older male physician. And he said, you know, um, I, it, it would not bother me. Like the chance of a man getting it is so low. It, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered by it. And that always stayed with me because I think I, I shamed myself um, a lot, a whole lot. Um, part of my story is that I um, became a uh, anorexic sex and love addict and I was alone for about 13 or 14 years and I know that part of that was the fact that I had an STD and that I was so ashamed and lived in so much fear because I didn't know that anybody would ever accept me um, and then when I started, uh, I decided to start dating again and I started just acting out with people, um, you know, I was terrified to tell anybody. And I, I will admit that I slept with three people without telling them. Um, I did talk to one of them after the fact and he was very kind um, and understanding and compassionate and I was shocked. Um, which made me think that I loved him <laughs> because, you know, I was like, Oh my God, somebody who will accept me. And I just basically, you know, could have infected him. And now he's being so kind to me. Um, so no doctors, um, really ever shamed me or made me feel bad. Um, I, like I said, shamed myself. Um, I think I, I stayed alone for a long time because of it. Um, and I just started sober dating, um, you know, about a year ago and got into my first sober relationship in February. And he was a very good friend of mine and I knew I needed to dis disclose it. And I felt just sick because I, the fear of rejection is, is huge. And I did disclose to him and he didn't take it well, um, he was really upset. He felt that I should have told him before ended up saying to him, you know, I'm not a used car. Um, you don't get a printout <laughs> before you decide to start dating me. I'm not going to disclose to you everything that, you know, is quote unquote wrong with me. Um, and so he had said to me, you know, it's not a deal breaker, but it's something like, I'm going to need a minute to think about this. And, you know, I also come at it from a very clinical perspective as a nurse and, 
um, I state the facts um, because it's not as scary. There's a lot of stigma around it um, in society, of course. Um, and so I try to come at it from a very clinical point of view. Um, I try to be very open and honest and ask them to come to me with any questions they have because I know they're going to go Google stuff and find like crazy things. Um, I know what the statistics are. I know how to protect him. Um, and so I try to kind of um, put him at ease that way. Um, I also... I also bring up the fact, like I ask them if they've been screened and if they know if they have any STDs, because there are plenty of ST, plenty of men who don't know that they carry STDs. Clearly, that's how I, how I contracted herpes. Um, and HPV is a real thing, and most men do not know that they have it. And so I also put that out there. You know, I'm also taking a risk, and the risk to me is actually gr a greater risk because women contract STDs much more easily than men do um and so i try to bring i talk about that as well and um i'll just go ahead and finish the story we broke up it yeah i would like to hear what it what, what like happened and what it is like yeah. to tell sure. somebody um i wanted to run I, I i literally wanted to run away after i told him because i just the shame overwhelmed me and i i just i felt sick especially when he reacted the way he did, he was upset. And, um, you know, he kind of brought it back around. He was like, I'm so sorry that you have to even tell anybody that. Like, I'm so sorry that you have to, like, he felt bad. He felt pity for me, um, which, you know, didn't feel great. But, you know, at least he was trying to be kind, but I could tell he was, he was really upset. So we broke up. It didn't, the relationship didn't work out. And, um, I started was it dating you him. or him. He broke up with me um, via text. You know, it was just it was a very immature uh, breakup, and um, and it wasn't necessarily it wasn't over the STD. It was because he just couldn't step up in the relationship. I, I asked him for simple things like I need more affection and I need more clarity, and that was too much for him. Um, however, I started dating somebody a few weeks later who I've known for almost a year. And this person that I was in a relationship with who broke up with me lives across the street from me. He is my neighbor. Um, and so he saw the new guy's truck at my house and I think he kind of blew a gasket and, um, he ended up, um, lashing out and gossiping about me to one of our other neighbors um and told him that i had an std like my worst nightmare come true like my worst nightmare was for him to react badly so he did that and now for him to go and tell um somebody else who like barely knows me um and the only reason i found out i know it was pretty horrific um the only reason i found out is because that other neighbor um also has it he and his wife have it and they both have herpes and I think he felt protective of me and he felt I think protective it, he reached out to me and said I'm hearing some really crazy things he was concerned and so we ended up talking and he told me all this stuff that um my my ex you know was saying about me and I was in complete and utter shock again my worst <laughs> nightmare come, came true and I was hesitant 
to talk about this on the podcast today because I don't want to, I don't want to give people more fear. I want to empower women to, to know like this, this does not have to control your life. You don't have to live in fear. Um, you can know how to take care of yourself. You can know how to protect your partner. Like there is hope. I, I want people to know that there's hope. Um, in a very odd way, I'm sort of glad. And I know that sounds very strange, but I feel like I've spent the last 20 years being, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get, I was going to get choked up, but I've spent the last 20 years fearing this. And now it's come true, but it didn't kill me. <laughs> um, it doesn't define me. It doesn't, um, it doesn't have any bearing on who I am as a person. Um, I think, um, like I said, I've just, I've lived in so much fear and shame that I've brought upon myself, you know, that I've really, nobody's really shamed me up until now. Um, but the good news is, is that I'm in a new relationship with somebody who is very loving and kind. And I disclosed to him. And again, I was, as you can imagine, completely terrified after this last experience, my first experience. Um, and he was very accepting and he asked me appropriate questions and, um, we talked about it and, you know, he said he wasn't, he wasn't concerned. And so two can I, can I ask totally you, different experiences. Can I ask <laughs> yeah. if you guys have been sexual? We have. We okay. have. Yeah. And, and, and then I just have one other thing because I and then I wanted to ask Althea the same question. At what point do you decide to share it? Um, I made the decision with the first person because things were getting a little heated. Um, in the relationship and I, I did not want something to just happen, um, without him knowing that ethically, um, uh, that's important to me. And that's actually one of my, my bottom lines is that I need to disclose to somebody before I'm sexually active. Um, and so with my current boyfriend, um, the same thing, um, I knew that we were going to be sexually active fairly soon. And so I knew that that conversation had to take place before um, anything could happen. Um, it could be part of a dating plan. Yeah, it's just that is a standard for me. And um, I'm not going to expose somebody because that's what I did in my disease and that's not sober behavior for me any longer so I have to disclose to somebody before I'm intimate with them that's so cool all right back to you Althea um I mean my situation is slightly different because right. it's not an right. they're not ongoing but uh, my sponsor and I have talked about this in the past and she said, well, maybe if you do have another, I mean, I don't have another partner at the moment, but if you do decide to do sober dating and have another sexual partner, you may want to discuss your sexual history with that person. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. So, um, you know, and she kind of laughed and said, okay, we can talk about that when that actually happens. 
Um, so I think there's different opinions about that if it's not an ongoing condition. I think for me personally, I would want to um, go to my doctor, get a full you know, workup, screening, make sure I do not have anything communicable. Um, and then if that all comes back good, please God, you know, um, and then I would be able to then have that conversation with my sponsor and say, okay, this is what medically is going on right now with me. Um, I'm dating this person, you know, what is ethical for me, you know, in terms of my recovery and being a you know, sober dater, basically and a healthy person now in, in relationships. But wait what a minute. Is. What about the guy? Well, he doesn't get to talk to me until after all this has happened. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, you mean the aren't person gonna, I'm going to be dating? Aren't you going to ask him? Yeah. You, oh, you mean the person that in case I start dating someone else? Yes. Ask him what? Would you, Wendy? Oh, yeah, I have. His yeah. sexual history? Yes, oh, I, I, sexual history. Yes. Is it like a like here? I'm gonna tell you this, and then I want you to share back. Is it like a like that, or what's that look like? How would you do that? So I, you, you um, show me yours, and I'll show you mine. <laughs> reciprocity. I asked both of them um, if they when the last time if they had any STDs. So that's a question I asked. That's kind of where I started with both of them. Um, because I don't, this isn't just all about me. Um, it, this is, this is, Clearly. A healthy, this is Clearly. a healthy relationship. Like I need to know where you're at and this is where I'm at. Um, and then, and because I also, I bring up, like I said before, the fact that men really can't be screened very well for STDs anyhow. Um, but I want to know if, if that has been a priority for them and if that's been something that they've done recently because really all they pick up on men is chlamydia gonorrhea and and blood tests syphilis i'm so glad that you shared that right there that part yes that's that new information to me um for me too yeah, yeah that's really so good i got educated really well when I was in rehab for alcohol um someone from the Montrose Center came and we had one of our, you know, multi-hour sessions all about STDs. And one thing I remember him telling me was that, or telling the group, was that um, you and your partner both get tested and then continue to use um, condoms or whatever other methods that there are to protect against um, transmitting diseases and then retest at six months because of um, I think this was in the case of HIV but you know it might not be detectable at that time and this would be after you're in a committed monogamous sexually monogamous re relationship um, so it was a total process. And the other thing, the reason that that was part of our education was because of course, alcohol and drugs like lower our inhibitions and as alcoholics and drug addicts, we are obviously, I say obviously out there engaging in sexual activity without any cares or caution, like we are the least likely people to use any kind of 
risk management and we totally forget yeah yeah and um you know the reasons even after I stopped using alcohol and was really in my sex and love addiction it goes back to what Althea talked about is this is the insanity and unmanageability of this disease where we know but the denial is probably the strongest of any denial I've ever had um you know and I would like attempt to ask my acting out partners to be safe and just the ridiculousness of that whole um just fantasy thinking um I would think that you know they were the only partner or I was their only partner of course that was not true I mean it was all built on lies everything was deceit I remember one guy saying like you want me to use a condom that's so high school and I just thought at that time like wow that's really crazy but you know what I had sex with him anyway on his terms because I was so sick. So that brings up that point that really, because it was one of the questions that I wrote down as I was preparing for today. And, and Wendy actually brought it up when somebody she shared it with was so kind that she thought she loved him. And I wanted to address that a little bit with, um, you know, does it affect your your dating as far as like that in that way? Do, are you like kind of settling for somebody who's, are you settling for the guy who's there and accepts you rather than knowing I have to do this again and again and again by disclosing my own self? Sure. Yeah. You want me to answer that? Um, well, it's only happened three times. <laughs> So once is enough, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was in my disease, active in my disease, and I, I, I was intimate with one of my qualifiers and told him about it afterwards. And he was very accepting and kind. Um, that's where I, I really got, uh, love addicted and felt like, oh my gosh, I can't let him go because he's accepting this. Uh, we didn't have sex again. He said, I think, you know, we shouldn't be sexually active. And, um, and then things got real weird. Um, and then I, I really spiraled, um, with my current boyfriend, we've only been together for, um, a little over two months and we have been sexually active. Um, he is accepting of it and, um, I have asked myself that question for sure. Um, because there are some things while I've known him for a year, um, there are some things that I don't know if I'm going to be okay with, um, forever. And, and that does come actually, that does come into play. I I mean, it, it definitely crosses my mind and I think, well, you know, he's been accepting of this and will, will any others be accepting of this in the future? It definitely, yeah, it's there for sure. It's something for me to uh, work through. And thankfully um, I have an amazing sponsor and therapist and, you know, I have a whole team who helps me through this stuff. There's no easy answers. Um, Of course it influences us. We're human beings. And 
the fear is real. The shame is real, even though it's lessened. And, you know, I've been through my worst case scenario and I, I live to tell about it. Um, you know, yeah, I, I feel like it, it will always be a fear factor for me in any relationship disclosing that because, you know, the person could choose to walk. I try to remind, remind myself though, that that person could choose to walk for any reason. And, and I have to remind myself that I don't, I'm powerless. I'm powerless in every way. And that's just one more thing that I'm powerless over. Um, so, you know, it's just, I constantly have to surrender to that thought um, because there's nothing I can do. I can't control what somebody, how somebody else feels about that. Um, and Althea, what about you? Do you think that the, um, the repetition from the same person has you sort of differently bonded to that guy because of it? I mean, I think, you know, what CJ was saying, the insanity of my addiction um, and his addiction, you know, that bonds has bonded us so closely together. You know, they call it in psychology a trauma bond. Right. So I don't think, I mean, going through the STDs, I think it made me feel more bonded to him, but kind of in a really, like, sick way because I kept being the girl who would take the diseases from him every time he gave them to me and not, not flinch and not say, dude, stop. Um, Cause he was with a bunch of other people at the same time. And that's how he got it. But I was just like, yeah, cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. And so, you know, the only way I can explain it today is yeah, it's just kind of the insanity of my disease. And then, um, you know, obviously it has, uh, I've been reflecting on how with my therapist on how like where that comes from and it's basically from childhood trauma and, and a bunch of psychological shit that um, I never addressed. Thank you both of you. I just am, I don't want to cry but it just is I, I feel so grateful that you shared all of this and before we you know we've only got like six minutes left but I did want to get some last words from both of you, either on shame or um, healing or whatever you would want to share with a listener that might be afraid, that might have it. You know, we'll start with you, Wendy. Sure. I think, I think um, coming into SLAA and it's the first time that I've ever opened up about it was when I came into program before program, there were maybe two people who knew um, that I had it. I, I have so much shame. Like my mom, my sister, nobody, they don't know that I have it. I, I don't just tell people it's something, it's very sacred information. Um, and I have to feel safe to disclose it. And I didn't ever feel safe like that. And then I came into the rooms and I started sharing and it's part of me. And, and I realized, you know what, there are other women in this room. I guarantee you who have it. And as I have been willing to speak about it in the rooms, women have come forward and have said, Oh my gosh, I have it too. And, 
and they're able to see me as an ally and somebody that they can talk to about it because it is very isolating and you just sit in your fear and shame. And like I said, for me, it, it caused me to be very anorexic for many, many years and changed the trajectory of my life, really. Understandably. Um, totally. Because I, but because I allowed it and um, I just really, I really want to encourage other women to to not let that happen and to to reach out to um, your fellows, people in program, um, and look for people to talk to about it because I don't want anyone to let it isolate them like it isolated me. I don't want anyone to live in the fear and the shame that I've had around it um, because it doesn't define you. It's it's a part of you and it's herpes is something that will never go away, but it is manageable. When I'm in a relationship, I take medication daily and that cuts down the risk of, of giving it to my partner significantly. Um, and so there are things that you can do and it's about having honest conversations and um, self-care and advocating for yourself and, and knowing, knowing the risks, knowing the statistics, even knowing how to talk to a partner about it. I mean, I've role played with my fellows in program because I was so terrified and they have, you know, really encouraged me and said, Wendy, you're a nurse. Like you have so much information like that. And that, that really empowered me because I didn't even really feel like that was something that I brought to the table. Um, and so that has all changed how I, um, have the conversation and, and that's been empowering for me. So I just really, I really encourage women to reach out and to look for other people that they can talk to about it and not to let them, um, not to let it isolate them and, and live in fear. You got one minute, Althea. Uh, I guess I just want to say to, um, especially to uh, women out there, you know, especially on this day in this era where our country is talking about do women have the right to their reproductive selves to decide about your body whatever it means and it it, it can be applied to stds and um you don't have to let a sexual partner hurt your body and give you something and if you're letting that happen go to therapy you know go to a slaa and you know work on yourself because you don't deserve that and you don't need to put yourself through that it's really not worth it and your body is beautiful and don't i'm don't so appreciative so appreciative will you guys both stay on and and lead the meeting around this absolutely yeah. i'll kind of guide you a little bit but i'd love to hear your your thoughts it's just so powerful i'm sorry if i didn't get enough of CJ in there today, you guys. <laughs> but um, we've got some people in our waiting room. We have one minute until we start, and I'm going to sign off. But again, you're both my heroes. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks so much. much. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com or also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week. Mm-hmm.